Welcome to episode 189 of the All the Book Show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, where we talk book news, author news, and literary news, and sometimes... Shazam! Woo! <laughs> Did anything happen? Uh, yeah, the podcast started. Oh, cool, cool, cool. It cool. became yeah. an even more popular and successful podcast than this. Really? Yeah, if that's you can exciting. imagine. I can't. That's I that's, cannot. That's the magic of comic books. That's you the magic of Shazam. Oh, no. I turned it back. Oh, turned it back to the original. That's all right. Well, we appreciate um, the viewers we have. It's just Billy Batson podcast. All of those uh, lame intro bits we just <laughs> did were to tell you that this week we're doing a Shazam spotlight. Shazam! Not because Eric wanted to, but he's been a good sport about it. <laughs> The whole time. So I want to thank him for that. We're going to be talking about Shazam and Captain Marvel. And we scored an exclusive interview with uh, Elliot S. Magan, who is one of the authors of my childhood. Wrote some of my favorite comic books. Yeah. As soon as as soon as we booked that, I went and like dug through my boxes and was like, "This is one of Magans. Mm-hmm. This is one of Magans." Yeah, got a whole I got a whole slew of them. Very exciting. Yeah. So we're going to be talking to him a little bit later. Warning: there is a little language in there, but it's funny, so I think that's okay. I believed out right? the did you? I okay. Out the, the real <laughs> offenders. Okay. All right. All he, right. He's a he's a comic book writer from the seventy eighties. So yes, he got to. Uh, Yes, he is. Some stuff out. All right, but before we get to that, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the character of Shazam and just. God. <laughs> we saw an advanced screening of the movie, so we can even talk to you about the new Zachary Levy, yeah. uh, Mark Strong ago, but film. Mr. Uh, Lockbox over here yeah. wouldn't let me uh, say anything. Lock and key, baby. So I tried last week. All right. I know you did. I know and you did. You, and kept, I, you kept shutting me down. I absolutely did. I've and never I, been hit by a class action I appreciate your so restraint. Fast. Class action? Uh, yeah. Cease that, and desist. Class action would be if there were like 40 different people having the same problem <laughs> and they decided to band together. Right. Um, that's not what happened here. So 39 here. other people didn't want me to say anything right. until the right. Shazam spotlight. We don't have a King episode. of Torts situation. For oh, more right. on King of Torts, check out the John Grisham spotlight. You can find all the back episodes at soundcloud.com slash all the books. And Spotify. Uh, and Spotify. Really anywhere you can find podcasts. Yeah, but Spotify is, is like... That's what the cool kids do? I think so, okay. actually. Spotify just bought like a podcast. I don't even know how really? you just like... Yeah, we'll just buy this podcast. Hmm. All right. So, well, if you want to send us a number, <laughs> I mean, we'll entertain it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we should probably start entertaining people as well. Let's jump I've into lost track our of, uh, book. Mark. Where we are after saying the magic word that turns us into Captain Marvel, Shazam. Yeah, we've gone back and forth. Well, yeah, I don't we know. If, I don't know if we're a regular podcast. You know what? Or hold Shazam on, hold podcast. on. Our producers telling me we should drop the Shazam <laughs> changing bit because it's not playing. Okay. All right. Let's jump into our bookmark segment, folks. Let's talk about some of the things that we've been reading. Make some suggestions to you, the folks at home. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to... I'm the gonna role g- of Nick will be played by a robot. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, okay? So here are some of the graphic novels that I read. Uh, this chunky Shazam volume that you see in front of you here, I had read a lot of these as a kid, and so this was a fun reread Unless you're for a me. podcast listener, don't be confused by that. Yeah. So it's Showcase Shazam. It says Volume 1, but there's only one volume, so it's a little misleading. Well, but which is it? This was so much fun. This is this is straight the 70s run. Uh, almost the whole thing. A couple of missing issues in there. You get some uh, Shazam family. Shazam. It was so fun. It yeah. was so fun. It brought back a lot of good memories. Um, Eric and I both read The Power of Hope, which is by Paul Dini, art by Alex Ross. Uh, Alex Ross has done what other things like Justice and uh, Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. And what else? Marvels. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, pretty good story. A lot kind of coffee of a, table books. Kind of a dark, sad Shazam story there. From you think uh, it's darker than I do, Paul Dini? Well, I think it deals with darker issues than Shazam typically deals with. Yeah. Are we Which talking about them later? Kind of nice. We will talk about it later. Okay. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I read DC Superhero Girls: Search for Atlantis because Eric finally bought it. Mm-hmm. I got the next one. I got an advanced uh, preview from DC, so I can't talk about it yet. Okay. But I do like this series. It's very fun. It's good for like the uh, 10 to 12-year-old range, I think. Mm-hmm. The stories are the stories are entertaining. What so about nine? Like, I still enjoy them. Yeah, nine could get in there. Sure. Eight? Yeah, eight maybe. Seven? Any, that's pushing it. <laughs> uh, this is a fun, long-running series. It takes... Yeah, we uh, got all of them. Focuses on the, the women characters in DC Comics and... Uh, in high school. In high school, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, all the like the the heroes and the villains. So you got Poison Ivy yeah. and Harley Quinn. Poison Ivy's like a regular too, right? She is. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Poison Ivy and Harley are both regular. Katana. Anyway, uh, is Katana considered a hero these days? Yeah. All right. I would say so. I didn't know if she was a villain. Who am yeah, I thinking well, of then? I don't know. The Batman villain. I don't know. Shiva. Shiva. Okay. Shiva. 
All right, back to the show. Yeah, <laughs> Shiva's more of a anyway. Yeah. Um, and finally, I read Scooby Doo Apocalypse Volume Two. So this is part of the uh, it's it's a DC Comics imprint where they're oh is it yes where they're taking um, Hanna Barbera comics like Future right. Quest was one that I read a few years back. Flintstones, uh, crazy Flintstones is very dark, right. darker than this Shazam comic. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. Scooby Apocalypse. Uh, basically, you have the Scooby Gang and Ve- yeah, uh, and Velma has accidentally created a doomsday scenario in which basically everyone but the Scooby Scooby gang is like a zombie now Uh-oh. and they're trying to put it back. First oh. volume was fun. Second volume, I think kind of forgot that it was doing a Scooby-Doo thing. It was just oh. a zombie story, which mm-hmm. this guy was not all about. Yeah. I think it's Nick only... was pointing at himself when he said this guy. Yes, I haven't read I, it. I think from context clues, they would, they would have known that. But... Well, you have to let people know who this guy is. Okay. I'm just going to take a nap while you do <laughs> All right. Uh, I finished some novels. I finished The Chef by James Patterson and Max DeLalo. This is a funny one because <laughs> we spent so long talking about how the synopsis says celebrity chef detective man right. has to prove he's that not he's not a murder. murderer, which is right. not part of the plot. Hmm. Not part of the plot. Is he going to have a sequel? The Chef um, 2? I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It might. Yeah. It might. Yeah. This What's one, his speciality? Uh, he has a food it truck. It was in New Orleans. It was like oh, a gumbo and that nice. sort of thing. Um it was one of those ones where you could kind of feel that it was written by committee because there was a lot of ideas that I think like could have been refined so that they <laughs> did make sense. Right. You spent a lot of times being like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Rather than just like rolling with it. Right. But it was fun. It was quick. It was the audio book was fun. So I read that. Mm-hmm. I read Razor's Edge by Martha Wells. Uh, this is for a sci-fi book club I'm doing with my pals. I really like it. I've got to say, I've not been on a hot streak with Star Wars Empire books. Empire and Rebellion. Why are you saying that? It's like that? the subtitle. Oh, okay. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's what's interesting about that, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks when Sweet. we when we chat with Martha Wells, but this is a, um, a thing where the original plan was to have top-tier sci-fi authors mm-hmm. write a series of Star Wars books. Yeah. So they did a Han Solo one with James S.A. Corey, author of the Expanse series. Mm-hmm. They did Razor's Edge, which focuses on Leia by Martha Wells, and right. then we're planning to continue, and then... Disney the mouse, that, yeah. The mouse, yeah. Showed up, but I really enjoyed this. Can we call it the House of Mouse anymore? It seems like that's too big. You, that's you too need small. like the castle, the, yeah. the planet. Of, yeah, it's Mickey's world, right? The We're destiny. just living in it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. I like that. It was a good, good take on the Leia character. Or like Steamroller Mickey. Yeah. Steam Steamroller Willie. Yeah. Right. Instead because, of Steamboat. Yeah. yeah. I get it. It's a deep dive. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then I finally I read Please Don't Tell by Jeff Gottesfield. Yeah. What is this? It's a junior novel. Oh. Just a fun little quick right read. Press. Yeah. I liked okay. it. I liked it. Why did you pick this up? Uh, because we're going to be talking to the author in a few weeks. And this was one of the ones of his that I haven't read yet. So I thought I'd read it. Uh, you've got one of his dog books. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then let's see. What am I currently reading? You uh, the might Anonymous ask Girl. Yourself. I'm reading Anonymous. The Anonymous Girl by Greer Hendricks. And who's, mm-hmm. the, who's the second author on that? Do you Sarah see? Sarah Pekinen. Thank you. Uh, author of The Wife Between Us, which I very much enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I'm not enjoying this one on the same level, but oh. when things come together in the end, okay. maybe it'll be a different story. Okay. Right now, enjoyable, not great. All right. I'm reading Trunk Music by Michael Connolly. Yeah. This is one of the Harry Bosch novels. So and this, I'm digging it. This is music based on the character Trunks from Dragon Ball Z. It is not. Oh, it in no way is that interesting. Yeah, the it's cover, confusing. The cover is like a road with in a car hindsight. looking at it, and I just thought trunks empty road, trunks, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z, yeah, yeah. Vegeta. Oh yeah, I came close to saying Cowboy Bebop, and that <laughs> would have been embarrassing. <laughs> Finally, I'm reading Supergirl: The Silver Age, Volume One. Who does and the cover for this? Is this original art from the series, or is this no? A I think it's a, it's a newer. It looks like a Darwin Cook. Yeah. yeah, this is. I bring this up for for two reasons. Okay, oh. I started reading this because over the weekend, not only did Batman hit his 80th, Supergirl hit her 60th. That's you know, that's not very polite to share. Oh, sorry. sorry. You never you never <laughs> tell. So I was I was gonna read some of these classic Supergirl right. stories, and it's funny because in preparation for this episode, I read the first six issues of Mary Marvel from the 40s, mm-hmm. the 1940s. Right. And she's just like, Mary Marvel's just all in. She's just like punching murderers and right. just doing like superhero stuff. Uh-huh. Just doesn't, she's just, a, she's just a full-fledged superhero, okay? Right. Supergirl, uh-huh. like 30 years later, uh-huh. shows up and Superman's basically like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't want these attachments. You're going to have to go live in an orphanage. Wow. I wish I was kidding. Uh, and so she goes and lives in an orphanage, and Superman is like, you can't tell anyone that you have powers. You just live in this orphanage, and you don't tell anyone. Huh. And that's the story. She's just like hiding yeah. in pigtails, being like, oh, you know, and like trying to help people get adopted and trying to prevent herself from being adopted. Right. 
It's insane and so stupid. Okay. One of them, she she pretends to be like some sort of fairy, like a tooth fairy. So it's it's terrible, and her hair is terrible. Which okay, I'm just saying. All right, I'm just saying the art is bad. Yeah, the stories are so bad and so dated, even for even for 1959. Mm -hmm. I it's a real clunker. All right, so that's it for me. That's what I've been reading. Uh, did you see the Mortal Engines movie? Oh yeah, I thought you'd want to go first, but <laughs> um, my wife's been wanting to see the Mortal Engines movies, and I was like, yeah, okay, I want to see that too, you know. So we finally checked it out from the library. We put it in, we watched about fifteen minutes, and she was like, okay, I don't think we should watch this. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 I can, I can do it. And she was like, you really can't. Let's watch something else, okay? Because it was not my jam. So we stopped about fifteen minutes in, mm-hmm. and it seemed very like, like an ABC Family miniseries mm-hmm. from two thousand two. Uh, so I didn't finish it. Mm-hmm. She finished it, and her takeaway was basically like it was enjoyable, but the weaknesses were very, <laughs> very prominent and very obvious. Yeah. So, uh, not for me. Are you gonna? Are you, I mean, this is a YA series. We'll probably watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you? Are you familiar with the books? Did, did they do well? Uh, they're older books. Okay. We we do have them. I can have the whole trilogy in our collection. I don't mean to put more, you on the spot. More, do you more. do you remember the author on these? I don't. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's sorry. Starts with an O. Opal. Look, you look at it, I'll look it up while you talk about the Twilight Zone. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Well, uh then last night, uh we watched the the premiere of the new 2019 Twilight show. Twilight Zone show. Yeah, you watched the Twilight show. <laughs> watched the Twilight show. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm a fan of the old school Twilight Zone, although Eric Philip Reeves. Thank you. Eric claims I'm not a fan of the old Twilight Zone no, show. No, I yeah, but you I def- haven't you haven't seen any of the episodes. I have as seen far many as I many you episodes. You haven't seen any of the episodes. I've seen so many of and them. And all the classic ones people talk about, you're always like, I don't like that one. Not true. But like remember the one with uh, Burgess Meredith? You're I've like, seen that's it. That's a terrible one. I I've like, seen remember it. Remember when Shatner's on a plane and you hate it? <sighs> no, I'm kidding. I don't understand you know this what? bit. What? You're in the Twilight Zone <gasps> where everyone thinks you hate the Twilight Zone. So I've been very excited about this Twilight Zone reboot. You know, yeah. I've been waiting. I've been really wanting Jordan to see Peele. it. Jordan Peele. We watched the two episodes last night. Right. Uh, the the comedian. Can I tell you before you tell me what you think of them? Yes, I read a review, but I didn't read too far into it. That liked one and didn't like the other one. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see which one. I think the the comedian uh, was it was pretty good. It was a pretty good. The premise was good. It kind of like it hit all the marks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it was like stellar. Okay. I think that um, Tracy Morgan was very good in it and very oh. creepy. <laughs> and oh, I can't remember the main actor's name. Who was in The Big Sleep and other things like that. Ba-ba-ba. Thanks for fact checking, buddy. Um, so it was it was one of those things where it was like I I understood the premise. It was pretty good. I don't think it was like expertly done. I think if it was in like a long running series, I would sort of. It felt to me like one where you're like. Yeah, that was an okay episode. You know, you wasn't meant bad. the big sick with uh, Camille uh, Nan Nahajin. Ooh, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for putting that on you, but that is what I mean. Uh, and he he was very good in it. The second one was kind of a take on the old Shatner episode where they're up on the plane and uh-huh. uh, Adam Scott is the is the lead in that and thinks mm. something's going wrong. Right. Um, that was not well done. Hmm. I didn't think. It, it's it's kind of dark, which which worked. It's it's not that it felt un Twilight Zoney, but it just it left you with a lot of like, well, why? Like, mm. what was the purpose? And you know, it just I don't think it really. I think that one like tonally was a little off. Okay, that's all. Cool. Uh, but I'm still excited about it. But uh, it was not mind blowing as okay. I might have wanted it to be. Have you ever watched a Twilight Zone episode and your mind was blown? I mean, some <laughs> some of the, the the Burgess Meredith one is the one that always sticks with me because yeah. it's so depressing. Yeah, you know. I guess he could just go find other glasses. He could. So yeah, he could. I look. I love the Twilight Zone. I like them. Yeah. And uh, but no, there's never been an episode I'm like she was a mannequin. <laughs> I, it's just uh, I like the twist and everything, but yeah. I don't. I don't think I would ever say any of them has ever blown my mind. Usually, I I just kind of like nod silently, like mm, mm, yes, contemplative. Right. Where. We're the robots. It was kind of <laughs> hard to take Jordan Peele seriously, like when he was on screen. Oh, yeah. you know, because he—I mean, he did a good job, but yeah. it's just like it could be a Key and Peele, yeah, sketch. You know yeah. what I mean? It just well, that's because <laughs> I don't know the Key and Peele sketches. A lot of them will always start very straight, yeah, and then like they—they—they they, they can just blow up. Yeah. And so, but they were always very—they were so well done. Like some of the more serious ones, like oh, this is this feels like a real intense fit, and then it you know blows yeah, up, so. and it turns. So. I, I was I was uh, not super impressed, but I am going to continue watching. Well, you have to. You pay for that CBS app. I sure do. I so sure do, Eric. I'll never get to watch this because I'm not paying for that. I hope you don't. 
No, what? I hope you don't see it. You hope I never see it? I do, yeah. Okay. All right, what have you been reading, buddy? Uh, all right, I finished two Martha Wells books. I finished uh, Why Can't uh, I Remember the Third Book. Which one did you read? I read uh, Murderbot Diaries. Right, what was the second book? I don't know. Okay, well, I finished Exit Strategy. It was book four. Actually, book three, which is the name of the book I can't remember right now. I'm it's uh, something protocol, Rogue Protocol. Artificial Conditioning. Artificial Conditioning, which is different than Rogue Protocol. Rogue, Rogue Protocol is book two. Uh, Artificial Conditioning, book three. How many times can I say those book numbers? Um, it was probably, <laughs> I mean, you've said them wrong each time. So. You, it, was the, it was probably my favorite <laughs> of the four. Uh, the ending uh, kind of hit, uh, hit me. Uh, in a sad way, but book four ends well, leaves doors open for uh, for uh, more adventures in this world, uh, sh- and we'll be talking to Martha Wells, author of uh, the Murderbot Diaries, uh, along with many other books, many fantasy and sci-fi books, Star Wars and Stargate Atlantis yes, included. Yes. Um, so we'll be talking to her in a couple of episodes. Uh, but yeah, we, we have all four of these in our collection here at the library. Um, they're quick reads. They're only about 200 pages. You can, you can read through these in, uh, in an afternoon. Uh, yeah. and I recommend doing so. Yeah. You know, and while we're talking about that, we should okay. offer our congratulations to Martha Wells, who was just nominated for Hugo for uh, best novella for artificial condition, which is oh, the two. Hugo award noms out? They, they were just announced. Yep. Oh, oh. Yep. all right. Well, I got to read them. Yeah, you do. You can find the full list of uh, the annou- the uh, nominees for the Hugo Awards on HugoAwards.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to... Oh, I also finished Gambit Classic. Well, not Gambit Classic. Gambit, the complete collection, book two. First you charge the card, uh-huh. then you blow it up. Yeah. Is that Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast? No, that was uh, <laughs> that was the celebrity chef from the James Patterson <laughs> book chef. Um I don't know if other listeners, I don't know if listeners will know this, but certain people in my life will know that I wanted Marvel to put on this Gambit comic series from 1999 on the Marvel Unlimited app for a long time. Uh And I used to troll them on Twitter, posting what they had shared that week instead of the rest of this Gambit series. Uh, That was a good time. Good times were had. Now I feel bad because I was kind of let down by this 25-issue run. I'm so. a little surprised that you thought that it was going to be good. It it kind of has a a decent reputation of being That's, a very uh, okay. Good, there, That's kind of a rough time. There's I think, the '90s. There's a for for X Men comics. There's a uh, a few issues in here where things kind of pick up because a uh, a bunch of assassins and Marvel villains have been hired to kill Gambit. So you got Bullseye, you got the Constrictor, you got uh, <laughs> uh, Crossbones, you have. Uh, Batrock. So you have all these like other characters chasing. You have Deadpool. You have them all chasing after Gambit. And that's like a fun four-issue run. Mm-hmm. But then it's just dealing with some other stuff that I don't dig. An alternate reality Gambit and everything. Uh, this is back. This is the run where he was able to control his power so that he could create a kinetic field so that him and Rogue could hold hands oh. and kiss. Oh. So if uh, Rogue and Gambit kissing is what you want, you're going to want to read uh, the Gambit Collection Part 2, uh, about one issue in here. So. You know what? That's a very weird way to sp- uh, to spin that, but mm-hmm. I accept it. <laughs> I accept it. Yeah, there's something. But yes, uh, late 90s, 1999 to 2001, it was a strange time for the X Men. Yeah. Right before the movie, and then after the movie, the, a lot of stuff was in flux. So, anyway, uh, what else? Oh, I got to read Ghost by James Reynolds or Jason Reynolds. I need to start this. Uh, we're doing it as a book club for. Uh, uh, eighth grade. Okay. Uh, so I need to read this. I have it on my Kindle. It'll be a quick read. And then... And Jason Reynolds won the Hugo Award last year, right? Didn't he for Jason Long Reynolds. Way Down? Didn't he? Hugo. You're thinking Edgar. I'm sorry. I mean Edgar, yes. The firm so many year, awards. Yes. Long Way Down was good. The Edgar Awards are coming out this weekend, so we'll be talking about Edgar's next week. Oh, okay. Yep. So uh, maybe maybe he did a two-peat. Maybe. <laughs> I guess you could just say repeat at that point. Yeah, two-peat. Yeah, two-peat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the... Uh, that's the uh, International title for Pete and Pete. Ah, two yeah. Pete. In yeah. France, they know it as two Pete. Sure, sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> I love Saturday mornings. It's time for two Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the French. <laughs> uh, like Batman Beyond was called uh, Batman of Tomorrow. Oh, I like that. Uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in Japan and seeing a commercial for it. And it's like, this Saturday, Batman of Tomorrow. I was like, Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it was an episode I'd already seen, but it felt like I was watching it all over yeah, again. Yeah, it was Batman of Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I finished Brian Michael Bendis' Uncanny X-Men run. Hey, congratulations. I know it's been a hard hard road for you. Uh, in my comic book reading, um, I've been trying to catch up to stuff so I can 
get to where I was, where I left off with the X-Men on some stuff. I hear you. And you're right. This is, this is, this is terrible. It's like six (laughs) volumes, six volumes. I think maybe there's three issues in all six trade paperbacks Uh that I, that I was able to go like, yes, this is fine. But man, do I hate him writing the X-Men and teams in general, but specifically X-Men. I know. I've warmed a little bit to his Superman, but I know what you mean. I I still have to read his all new X-Men with like the time traveling. I like that. I like that run. But it that goes off the rails. It really <laughs> just does. Said our friendship was cemented. Yeah, I love time travel, and yeah. I like the classic team. I know I'm in the minority yeah, on that, but I do. I, yeah, I just it's like cool angel, <laughs> beast without the fur, and he's he's a teenager who used to play football. It's just I don't know. I think you're purposely not selling it well. <laughs> oh, okay. Let me up it. Uh, Jean Grey, where she's the girl. Um, yeah, I have to. I guess I have to read it. So this was. This, I was doing my dil- due diligence as an X-Men fan. Good for you. So, uh, Good for you. That's it. That's all I've got. Oh. I didn't watch anything fun. Okay. Oh, I watched Logan because I just beat the game The Last of Us, yes. which is supposed to be one of the greatest games of all time. Uh, maybe not for me. It's not the greatest game of all time, but oh. it made me want to watch Logan. Okay. So I did. I had an emotional breakdown. I, I bet you did. Yeah. I kind of wanted to play that game, should I not? Uh, you might like it. I a lot of people hold it up as like it's great. It's it's like the story's like movie quality, but I've never I've never looked down at video game storytelling in that in a way that when they do it like a movie, I think it's that impressive. Mm. So I'm usually fine with game stories and how okay. they're presented. And it didn't the story didn't move me. I didn't think it was as depressing as people say. It just it's a fine game. It's it's kind of told in like four segments, and I liked the third segment the most. Okay, and then the rest of it was it was fine. Interesting. So okay. Uh, all right. That's, That's it for it. the old bookmark. Yeah. All right. I guess we gotta get to Shazam. Oh no, we do. Ah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna dive right in because we got a nice interview going, and we wanted to talk a little bit about the character. So, um, the way you say you, we have a nice interview going makes it sound yeah. like you're interviewing me, and it's just a nice. Yeah, we've got we've got a nice uh, camaraderie being <laughs> yeah. established here at the table today. Uh, all right. So I I usually like to start when we're to, when we're doing this kind of thing to figure out like how you first became aware of this character. Uh-huh. So I'll pose the question to you first. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, I guess it would be when I read Kingdom Come. Really? That by, late? By Mark Wade and uh, Alex Ross. There it is. And I, yeah. But I mean, certainly you were aware of the character before that or no? I must have had some, I must have been able to recognize the costume in the face. Okay. But mainly because of Alex Ross. I think I must have read like some Alex Ross art books. I see. And seen that character. But uh, until I actually sat down and read Kingdom Come, I hadn't read a single thing that had Captain Marvel in it. I, Shazam. I'm only realizing like later because my but the uh, the DC Universe app has put the whole 70s Shazam uh, Saturday morning uh, live action kid show on the app. So I've been watching it with my son. And it's like, bringing back weird memories because i remember watching something with shazam when i was really little and thinking like well that's not quite superman though is it oh okay and i thought it was the serial because i, I liked the old black and white batman serials mm-hmm. but i went and took a look at the old shazam serial and i've definitely never seen that yeah so i think i'm actually remembering like the repeats of that 70s show the two peats yeah. The two pieces of Shazam. <laughs> yeah, that's as they say in france <laughs> uh so i i was aware of that i was aware of like that he wasn't on Super Friends. I think maybe he did a one-off episode at some point, yeah. but I don't remember him from like cartoons. Yeah. And there was a special Shazam show, but I don't think that was like really in the rotation when yeah. I was a kid. So I think that's because of the legal issues. Yeah, Shazam could beat anybody except for the lawyers. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, yep. So I think I read a lot of um, I read a lot of just the Shazam in comics. So this was uh, this was the seventies and eighties comics. Uh, were really kind of like the sweet spot for me when I was a kid. Like th- mm-hmm. those were the ones I went for. Uh, but I also really liked the the super early stuff. So I think um, I think before we kind of sat down to do a little refresher on Shazam for this episode, I probably read more of the old school like CC Beck fifties run than I had of, of anything else okay. newer. So I, I had the issue where he fought Superman. Right. And, uh, of course, he shows up in, in other things. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just sort of like my awareness of the character and that um, that TV show. And I never had action figures or toys or anything. Probably for legal reasons. They I couldn't guess. Put yeah, out I guess so. Yeah. All right. So what the first thing you read then was Kingdom Come with uh-huh. Shazam. And tell me a little bit about Kingdom Come. Like how is Have Shazam? you not read Kingdom Come? I haven't, no. 
Oh, snap. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Come is set in, like, the future, slightly dystopian. It's been a while since I read it, so I can't remember who, like, the villain is. I think... Oh, you know what? It's the uh, the classic, like, DC heroes are kind of uh, not popular anymore. Uh, people don't like them. They're not really helping anymore. And a new wave of younger heroes are showing up. And it's kind of a critique on the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh like sup- almost paramilitary superheroes that showed up. Like there's a character in there. I think his name is Mageddon and he's kind of based around like cable. Okay. Just guys who had like all the character design was metal arms, glowing eyes, two giant guns that they can't even pull out of the Ooh, holster. Look out. Um, swords. So that was, um, that was the idea. And then uh, things kind of get screwed up. And so the classic heroes have to step in. Batman has to, uh, stop being, stop trying to control everything. Superman has to go be Superman again. Uh, Shazam is being controlled in that one. Okay. Uh, I think he's he's in like an adult Billy. Okay. Um, but he's being kind of uh, mind controlled. I think Brainiac is a is an important role in there. And then, boom, there's a big fight and everything. Okay. So I think him and Superman might fight, but I can't remember. Pretty well utilized in it, would you say the character? Uh, I mean, he's he's a big role in it. Uh, but he's. It he's he's not used for a while and then he kind of shows up as like the oh no uh moment where like I can't remember when he helps out again but uh he he's he's hinted at and then when he becomes Shazam you're like oh snap okay change interesting so. well I know aside from working on the the uh, collection Elliot S Magan also wrote a novelization for it mm, right so yeah it's, it's available that way as well yeah. all right so let's talk a little bit about the history of uh. Captain Marvel. Wait. Shazam. Oh, you himself. already said what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. I did. Uh, so he first appeared basically as a response to Superman in the 30s. <laughs> they were like, oh, boy, these yeah. are good. So Fawcett Comics was like, well, we need something. Uh-huh. Uh, and so Shazam was born. Was Robin Williams as Mork, the editor of Fawcett Comics, when he was <laughs> doing that? Oh, oh, this is good. Well, so, we got to get, get a comic out there. Yeah, fair. Fair, fair, right. fair. Sorry. So Shazam started... Uh, <laughs> I think it was in, yeah, Wiz Comics before he moved on to his own. <laughs> Stupid. Wiz Comics before he moved on to his own uh, title. Uh-huh. And then the character was pretty quickly um, it was spun out after that. Mm-hmm. So if you're not familiar with the character, basically a child uh, is yeah. chosen by a wizard <laughs> to be the champion. Yeah. And so when he says the wizard's name, which is Shazam, he gives the powers of Captain Marvel and yeah. transforms into a big... Strength of Hercules. Cary Grant-esque man. Uh, so <laughs> actually I read that he was, the look was actually based on Fred McMurray from like, uh, a lot of old Disney, my three sons, a lot of old Disney movies, the absent minded professor and things, which you can totally see in some okay. of those old comics. All right. Very classic looks, but, mm-hmm. um, so if Shazam started and then the family expanded a little bit. So Dr. Savannah was the villain who showed up right away. And then Billy had a twin sister, Mary, who also was able to get powers by saying Shazam and become Mary Marvel. And then they had a friend, Freddie Freeman, who when he said Captain Marvel, became Captain Marvel Jr. And they were a little team. Yeah. And then they each got their own books and would appear regularly together. Mm-hmm. So Shazam, the Shazam or Captain Marvel title was very, very straightforward superhero. Right. Big, like supervillain sort of things. Mm-hmm. The Mary Marvel book is uh, still, she's pretty tough. And I was thinking about this. Um, I think that, if not the first, she was one of the first female superheroes to like have their own title and mm. just be a big, long, strong, long-lasting presence. Right. I, I, you know, I, I, there's so many superheroes coming out at that time that nobody did anything with. So maybe there was somebody who mm-hmm. predated her. But I think as far as like anybody within kind of any kind of longevity, she was really there first right. and was able to be a lot more. A lot more heroic than Supergirl, as I said earlier. But yeah. even Wonder Woman was like the secretary of the Justice League, you know. So it's like <laughs> oh, she was, she was. So that's uh, what I mean. So Mary was just able to like, even in the first six issues, there's one where Billy is there and there's this problem, and he's like, "Shit!" She's like, "No, no, no, I got this," you know. Right. And she goes off and fights it, which is cool for uh-huh. the '40s, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. So she had her own thing, yeah. uh, and then it, it continued to be a supporting feature for the main title. And then Captain Marvel Jr. had his own stories, right. and they were a little bit more. Uh, I mean, it's 
it was the 40s and 50s, so uh, to say that they're edgy is, is not really true. But right. when you compare it to the other ones, mm-hmm. Freddie's book was definitely the edgiest of the three. Oh, His cool. stories yeah. were a little bit more serious, a little yeah. bit darker. Yeah. Uh, and they were going strong. They were they were doing well. Uh, right up until 1953, when DC Comics was like, no, we've had enough of this. And so then we went to we go into a big lawsuit where basically they say that, that Shazam or Captain Marvel is a copyright infringement on Superman. Yeah. Which I think... Uh, it's kind of an interesting commentary on the time, you know, because now if a strong hero yeah, who can fly yeah. showed up with a cape, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody would jump to like, what a Superman clone. Yeah, it took a, it, I mean, that stuff kept happening. I mean, Nintendo went, had a lawsuit with Universal, Universal sued Nintendo for Donkey Kong over King Kong. Oh. and But lost because King Kong was, uh, was in the public domain. Mm. So, but yeah, I think for a long time, even, you know. I, I don't know when sometime like maybe after that whole universal thing people yeah. like oh we can't just sue over any yeah. appearance thing. Well when you when you break the two characters down it, I mean they're so different. Yeah. I mean so. they they can fly. They're yeah. strong. Yeah. They have black hair. <laughs> yeah. But other than that it's like their their backgrounds are so different. Yeah. The whole worlds are completely different. So yeah. it's kind of it's funny that it went as far as it did, but basically yeah. I mean that kind of put an embargo Mm-hmm. on shazam for 20 years yep. and he was just gone Gonzo. they were just like we're not publishing this anymore and then it stayed that way yeah. until and there were some there were some clones that came up that were like this is kind of like it mm-hmm. but nothing really st- stuck and, yeah. and you didn't see shazam again until yeah. uh 1973 nick so, has to explain might need to explain a few things yeah before so we go into so, in, so this is this is where this is what the scenario was at the time shazam had been off uh off the racks for 20 years um, he was a character that a lot of people had nostalgia for, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he just was nowhere unless you could, you could track down the old back issues. So at the time, Julie Schwartz was one of the main editors at DC. Uh, he worked on, uh, Superman for a long time, was editor on Superman for a very long time. Uh, and in his own right was a very prolific, uh, comic author and editor and all that. Uh, Julie Schwartz created the character, Adam Strange. He's the one who, oh, he's yeah. the one who brought, really kind of created Barry Allen in a sense, brought brought this new version of the Flash uh, forward. He he was responsible for taking a lot of those classic uh, heroes like Green Lantern who had a who had a history with the JSA in the early days and Julie Schwartz kind of brought them back into the the mainstream and, and with the new versions and everything. So uh, incredibly f- uh, prolific uh, creator and uh, just steady hand over at DC. He was one of the guys who, uh, when I was reading comic books, it would always be like a little asterisk, and this happened in issue 49, Julie. Right, you know, yes. So it's just a name that I always knew. Yep. But And so they were just looking uh, from some ways to um, to branch out, to bring some new characters, some reach some new audiences. So the idea of uh, Shazam came back up. So uh, primary primary uh, author on the on the reboot series was uh, Denny O'Neill, who right. is insanely prolific, wrote yep. some great, wrote one of my great uh, favorite Superman stories, uh, Kryptonite, No More, um, tons of Batman stuff. You know Denny. Tons. You know yes, Denny Yes, O'Neil. I do. Yeah, yeah okay, you're not jumping Ray in. Rachel Ghoul. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crazy so, Rachel Ghoul wrote a lot of... Uh, uh, Denny O'Neill is responsible for bringing Batman back to like a sense of darkness yeah. after uh, like the Adam West series kind of ended and yeah. Batman uh, I'll, I'll probably would have gone into like some obscurity. Well, it, yeah. Well, Denny, Denny's taken the character under, under the sort of the guidance of Julie right. Schwartz, who was like, we can't have all this goofy stuff. Right. And Julie was the one who was like, forget Batmite, forget all this like super goofy campy stuff. Right. We're going to do like a real character again. <laughs> do you think he was like, forget all this super yeah. goofy <laughs> stuff, forget mom? this jazz. <laughs> yeah. He was played by Tony Bennett, so <laughs> that made perfect sense. It's got to be cool, daddy-o. So anyway, they they turned their attention to uh, bringing back Shazam. So so Denny was kind of the lead writer, and then he and Elliot S. Magan uh, began sort of uh, trading off, and yeah. Elliot would write a lot of the stories. Yeah, uh, Magan would say Shazam, and he would turn into Danny <laughs> O'Neill, and then Danny O'Neill would chase Shazam yeah, and turn back to exactly. Magan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, uh, Elliot S. Magan works a lot on Shazam and is most widely known for his Superman work where he was the lead writer for Superman for right. over 15 years. Right. And a lot of the classic stuff about the character that I love came from the Elliot S. Magan run. So, uh, we reached out to Elliot and, uh, he was, he was willing to sit down and chat with us for a while yeah. about the history of Shazam. And then of course, some of his other work as well. So yeah. let's, let's do it. That's true. 
presents Author Spotlight. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things I'd love to ask you, but we thought we'd uh, kind of focus on Shazam Captain Marvel today. So Shazam as a character just has kind of an interesting history because of that big 20-year gap where he just totally vanished. So I wonder if, yeah. you could, if you could talk a little bit about the process of bringing him back and, and what it was like to work on that uh, first run where Shazam was kind of back in the hands of DC or, or in, the, in the hands for the first time. Well, first of all, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we approached it the, the best way we could have, but we, we tried a bunch of stuff. I remember we're sitting at a, uh, at an ACPA meeting. You remember ACPA? Mm-hmm. Academy of Comic Book Arts? Yeah. Um, and Saul Harrison was up there um, showing off all these promotional doodads. He had this big Shazam button and comic shop dumps and candy store dumps and all sorts of promotional nonsense. And, and then he said... Well, I didn't know about any of this stuff, and I'm writing this series. He said, I know about the button because I own one. Right. Other than that, I wasn't consulted and wasn't told anything. So was it an exciting project to work on? Like, was it, was it a... Yeah, a, it was fun. Okay. Was it, it was when you were assigned to, to or it was, was it when you... It was fun to meet C.C. Beck. He was, a, he was such a pain in the ass, but he was fun. <laughs> Please. So C.C. Beck goes back to the Fawcett comic days, doesn't he? I mean, he, he was on yeah. the original... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was the... Uh, he, I guess he was the original uh, artist on it. Otto Bender and C.C. Beck did yeah. the original series. Yeah, so that's that's fascinating that, I mean, after 20 years to come back to the character like that, I'm sure that was interesting for him. Yeah, he had a great time, and then he decided he was the editor after a while. Oh. So eventually, Julie got pissed at that and, and just let him go. Right. Oh, wow. Um, he kept changing scripts and hmm. uh, telling us that we, uh, you know, what format we should write scripts in and oh. so forth. And, and you know, he, he, was, he thought Captain Marvel was his family. Sure. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's understandable him feeling some ownership yeah. over it, but I guess that would, sure. that would take some fun out of, of writing it. I thought it was unique the way that the 20-year the gap was actually addressed in the comics, you know, that that was actually part of the story, that the whole Marvel crew had been uh, in suspended animation for so long, so that was interesting. Yeah. And I liked yeah, the way... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a rationale. Yeah. Well, um, I like the way the 70s run still had this sort of the, the 50s vibe uh, and yeah. I wonder, like, was how intentional was that? Were you guys trying to? It was to... absolutely intentional. Oh, we were good. trying to be. We we're trying to pick up where it, where it had left off, mm-hmm. because we talked about it. We decided that it was artificially stopped, and it was popular. It was it was working. You know, superhero series in general uh, were kind of on the decline in the early fifties, but uh, the the Captain Marvel series wasn't. It was. It was losing some circulation, but nothing, nothing appreciable, and uh, and I think Fawcett just didn't want to continue to pursue a lawsuit that had been going on for ten oh, years. Right. Well, this, I mean, this is some like the, these the seventies and eighties comics were like when I was a kid digging through the, the quarter boxes and stuff. Like these were the ones that I really wanted, and it was fun to yeah. sort of revisit that in preparation for uh, this episode because I like the way that the the Shazam comics really really had such a distinctive style versus versus the other comics that were that were written as contemporary so i think that really stands yeah, out yeah we were we were turning our skin inside out for years trying to figure out how to get the kid audience back yeah. mm-hmm. and uh we really never did <laughs> the fanboys when we were kids grew up and 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 their replacements never came in i mean i got involved with atari around that time okay right? i was uh, i was designing games for atari and it occurred to me that uh what was going on was that the audience wasn't changing. It's just that, that what they were interested in was changing. Mm-hmm. It was more available, you know. And I kept telling, I kept telling uh, Julie, well, Shakespeare was uh, was competing with cockfights and uh, fistfights <laughs> and uh, public uh, executions and so right. forth. Uh, and Shakespeare managed to make a living. We can do it, <laughs> um, you know. And and, and they kind of did. I mean, they figured out how to change the distribution system so that uh, the the, uh, the profit margin was a little greater um, by, using, by going through comic shops. And, and they actually increased circulation that way oh, wow. to some extent. You know, one of the problems was that when we were distributing through 7-Elevens and candy stores, um, all, all the distribution, all the, all the circulation numbers were unreliable. 
uh, people would return covers of books and then keep the books and resell them for a nickel. Oh. I, yeah, I mean, we see that just with regular, uh, you know, regular prose fiction that happens sometimes still. Yeah, sure. So they couldn't do that with uh, with comic shops yeah, because uh, they had to be bought outright. So, so that worked. You know, I mean, I wanted, I, I learned to, to read in the barbershop down the street because Andy, the guy who cut my hair, collected all the comic books that came out and put them on this big table and I would I would go mm. hang out there. And uh, so by the time I was four or five, I was reading like a 10-year-old. Well, there's still a great um, gateway. You know, kids who, we, we see it all the time, kids come into the library who don't want to read a book per se, but then yeah. they see they see a comic book or graphic novel and they're like, oh, I'll read that. So it's, it's a good way, sure. you know, it's a good gateway. And, and video games are... You know, another kind of literacy. I've been telling people for years. Absolutely. Nobody believes me. Uh, but uh, you believe me. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, basically, it was a, it was an attempt to get the kids' market back. Right. You know, and it didn't work, at least not with this product. And uh, so they changed it into a, into a character that I just don't buy living in the same universe as Superman. I mean, I... I, I used them quite a bit in uh, in Kingdom Come, uh-huh. the, the right. refurbished version of them. Right. But I really never bought it. They wanted, you know, people thought I when I did the uh, the Captain Thunder story right, for right. Superman. Uh, people thought it was because there were some there were some legal issues or there were some copyright issues or something. There were no issues. The only issue was I didn't believe they lived in the same universe. Yeah. Right. When they did a, a Spider-Man Superman crossover, I was very jealous of Jerry Conway. He got to write it, and they didn't even ask me. Yeah, and uh, he just didn't justify it. I said I would have spent three pages trying to figure out how to get Superman and and Spider-Man in the same universe. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I, I mean, Jerry I didn't even worry about it. I loved that issue as a kid, but but you're right. When you look at it, like the 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 mechanism to get them together is pretty is pretty. It happens fast. It happens fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, where is he when you know Star of the Con- Where is Spider Man when Star of the Conqueror showed up? <laughs> right. And everybody else was helping. Yeah. You know. You were saying that uh, you saw the character one way, and it uh, the the company kind of saw it not working, so they changed it to something you didn't buy for. Yeah. For, for a while, how much freedom did you have um, at the beginning? Because uh, you know, we were going through these older issues, and it they they are. Uh, they have their own style. Yeah. They have um, they have their own characteristics. Even the art kind of reminds me of almost a throwback to Disney comics a little bit more so than you know the current DC comics at the time. Until until they kind of made the character something that you didn't really connect with. Were you did you have a lot of freedom or were there a lot of notes coming at you? No. Um, no, I could do pretty much what I wanted. The only restrictions I had was when uh, CC changed things, which was often. But right. yeah, and they were they were fun stories to write. You know, all you had to do was come up with a premise, and they pretty much wrote themselves. Right. Mm. Uh, that wasn't true of Superman. Superman was complex. Yeah. Batman was even more so. Well, that's that's but, one of uh, the things that I that I so like about this run is that I feel like, you know, from from issue to issue, it's just like, and now here's this new wacky thing, or here's this like sort of interesting right. thing to explore, and it just nothing. It's like you just expect the unexpected, so it's almost like nothing surprises you. How like how wacky or how out there it gets. It just I, I thought it worked, and I and I always have a good time reading those. I, I thought it worked too. It just didn't work as well as they wanted it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it it could still be in print now. You know, it yeah. it did better than any of those Dell things or those Disney things, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I think my first introduction to your work was Superman, of course, which I think you're probably most well known for. And, you know, I, Superman and Captain Marvel, Shazam, share a lot of the same sort of core principles. They're both very good. They're both very, you know, heroic. I wonder if that, that sort of wholesomeness to those characters, is that something that you're automatically drawn to? Like, is it something you like to pull out of characters? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, a bo- I was a Cub Master when my kid was a kid. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 Julie told me when I first wrote my first Superman story, mm-hmm. he said, well, I want you to try this Superman thing, but, you know, Superman's the most difficult character to write. And for years, I believed him just because he told me. Yeah. And then it occurred to me, nobody was doing it right. Yeah. That's why it was easier for me. I wasn't any better than anybody else. I just got it. Right. It's not, it's not an adventure. Well, it is an adventure story, but it's not about power. It's about moral and ethical choices. Yeah. And you start every story with, you know, what do I do in this given situation if I have all the power in the world? Yeah. All the power in the world is a very seductive concept. Absolutely. A character like Superman, I think, really forces a different approach. You know, you can't just do, 
you can I don't think you can successfully just do like a villain of the week kind of story with Superman. No. You really have to get into those deeper issues and and you know the yeah. good the goodness and the power that he has can also be difficult and challenging for him as a character and I, I you know I think I always appreciated the way you you brought that front and center and and made that character you know believable and viable as someone who is like very powerful and also very good yeah I mean you have to believe who it, it, it's like anything else you know I, I was watching uh, AOC on uh, uh, talking to the other Congress people the other freshmen mm-hmm. and and she was giving a lecture on how uh, how to use Facebook and uh, and Twitter and so forth, and she said the first thing you got to do is be yourself, and she was right, and that applied, <laughs> applied to the way I approach Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman is the most powerful creature in the known universe. Let's let him be that. Yeah. And and then you project from there. Everybody everybody who ever got their hands on the character, first thing they ever did was depower him. Yeah. I gave him more powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More powers. You know, he could juggle planets. Yeah. Yeah. Murphy Anderson liked juggling planets. He liked that. <laughs> So we go along well. Um, I know you're, you, you uh, career-wise, you were primarily a DC guy. Yeah. Though myself, I'm, I'm a Marvel fan. Um, and I, okay. I read your, uh, I read your Hulk, uh, your Hulk comic, uh, recently, and I was just wondering what, what was your experience like, uh, like being a guest writer in this different company? Did the experiences different that much? Um, well, yeah. I mean, they expect you to the write plot style. Right. Um, that's all. The reason I did that. I'll tell you, the reason I did that was because Stan was such a good guy. Okay. Um, you know, I would have fights with Julie. Julie and I were both street kids from, from New York, and and we just would yell at each other <laughs> constantly. And right. it was fun. But every once in a while, it would turn into a real argument, and we weren't speaking to each other for a okay. month. So whenever I got in a hole, I went to Stan, and I said, Julie and I aren't speaking. And, you know, Stan <laughs> hardly knew Julie, but he didn't much like him. Um, so uh, he'd give me work. Okay. I, you know, the first time I, I, I actually, I called him up. I made an appointment to see him in his office, um, like, you know, a supplicant. And, uh, and I said, I need a body of work. I need like four books a month to start with. He said, you can have one book, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gave me this Hulk story. He okay. took me around to Shooter or Archie or whoever was editor-in-chief that 10-minute that period. Right, yeah. He'd find me something. He'd always find me something. It mm-hmm. was very good of him. And then by the time I was finished with the story, I, you know, made up with Julie and I'd go back to work <laughs> at DC. Sure. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter because we were all buddies. You know, we didn't we didn't buy into that corporate bullshit. It was all it was all hype. <laughs> the rivalry between Superman and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. There was no rivalry. I was writing both of them. You know, it's all just promotion. Right. Stan was great. Well. uh I have to say, you you wrote one of my favorite Superman stories of all time. Many that I enjoyed, but there's one that that I've had, you know, basically as long as I can remember. I've read it a million times, and it's the yeah. it's the debut of uh, Christian Wells as Superwoman. And of course, oh, I yeah. I read the little footnote that said, you know, this character first appeared in Miracle Monday. So you know, right. I tracked down a copy of that and read that book, and I just love that character. And I know she popped up. Every now and again, after that, but I, I wonder if you could, if you could talk a little bit about the creation of that character and what your ambitions of, of the for, character? yeah, yeah, and what your ambitions for her were going forward. Well, I wanted her to come back, yeah, um, and, and and it was too, it was too late in my run. I mean, it was there was uh, there was political intrigue going on, mm. so uh, um, I, I would have liked her to. I mean, I you know, in the second of the Superwoman stories, I did the last page of it was her going back to the future, getting back together with a boyfriend who was a professor at uh, Columbia. Mm -hmm. And there was a collage of all these adventures she hadn't gotten into yet. But they were all historical facts. And I just thought that was so cool. I wanted to bring her back and have her do all the stuff that she had read about herself doing. Right. I I love time travel. Oh, I do too. You know, I created her as a a character in in Last Son because, you know, she was a graduate student. Mm -hmm. And then by the time she became Superwoman, she was a history professor. Yeah. I was just always fascinated, you know, as a kid reading that issue about because you know when when uh, when Kristen Wells is first talking about that character of Superwoman to her class, and she's talking about oh she's one of the greatest superheroes the world ever knew, and she did all these amazing yeah. adventures, and I was just always so intrigued, and I wanted to like hear those stories and read those adventures. So just <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and it just didn't. So so what exactly happened that she didn't happen. come back? You know, she my my run uh, ended. Um, they wanted to change the direction of the character. I, I had a good 15 years in oh, there. Yeah. And the character was doing well for that whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no reason. There was no practical reason uh, 
to do it, other than that the publisher at the time wanted to make a change. Okay. Well, I, I love, like I said, I love the story. That's that's still uh, that's still one of my favorites. I still like to pull it out every now and then. I love that cover. Uh, I just I love the time travel element of it, and I just I just think it's so much fun. So. Let's see. She was in the LutherCon two story, right? Yes, she was. Yeah. LutherCon, that was a product of a, a crazy weekend we had in San Diego. <laughs> oh, really? People. It was me and. Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and Diana Schutz and uh, Scott Maple from Comics and Comics. And get all started because Scott kept saying, out of nowhere, Scott said, What the f with Lex Luthor's new costume? <laughs> and I just thought that was the funniest thing I'd heard all day. <laughs> and it was like 11, 12 o'clock. And I said, You know who fault it is? And Scott says, Who? I said, Len Wein. Says, is he here? Yeah, Len's here. So we called up Lynn. He was downstairs from where we were. Scott gets on the phone and says, what the f*** with Lex Luthor's new costume? And Diana cracked up laughing, and Corinda Carford was there. So Lynn heard these two girls laughing, and he had just been divorced at the time. So Lynn showed up at 2 in the morning, and we just hung around the hotel where they, where they, uh, where they put us up that year in San Diego, yelling and screaming about Lex Luthor's new costume. Everyone we, we saw, we went down to the bar and asked everybody we saw at the bar, what the f*** with Lex Luthor's new costume. <laughs> Most of them didn't realize, you know, we were responsible for it. Right. <laughs> Stupid-ass costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I know that you've... I mean, I, I've read your Wonder Woman stuff. I've read some of your Batman stuff. I, I know you, you got a chance to play with quite a few of the characters, but I wonder if there's any uh, that that you always wanted to write that you never got a chance to, or uh, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe some more Doctor Marvel. Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, I love Doctor Strange. Okay. What about um, Doctor Strange pulled you in like that? His his Eastern mysticism background, mm -hmm. his access to other dimensions. I'm a big fan of other dimensions. Right. That's what time travel's about. Yeah. And and the magic, whatever whatever magic is, mm -hmm. makes him uh, a match for Superman. I would have loved to do a Doctor Strange Superman crossover. Sure. Yeah, I would have read it. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I guess he's also a uh, a character that would just give you the freedom to do whatever story you felt like doing that month. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would wake up in the morning with ideas running through my head. Mm-hmm. And I would say, what character is this good for? I still wake up in the morning with ideas running through my head. So I, I write them down or I, you know, go talk to my kids about them or yeah. something. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate your, your insights well, on, on all of this. And uh, I've, I've certainly enjoyed your, your work for many, many years and will continue to as I discover new things. I'm doing a, I, I, I've got a podcast up and running. Um, yeah, I saw that. Miracle Monday and, and my son. And you, you do, uh, you, like, you read sections of the, of the stories. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm taking a break. It was work. <laughs> yeah. Is that, can you just find that anywhere? You find podcasts, or where's the best place for people to find that? Yeah. Yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever that is. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's, it's out there in general. Okay. Where can people find you online? Elliot.magan.com. Okay. Thanks, yeah. thanks for talking to this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, you're welcome. And like I said, you've, you've given us a lot of joy over the years, so thanks very much. Thank you. He brings up so many interesting points, like within this interview, that I wish that we had like five hours to keep like tugging on threads and finding things out. He he said something in there about um, how we just got to a point where he just couldn't buy Superman and Shazam in the same uh -huh. world, and I thought that was a really interesting point because yeah. it's absolutely true. You know, mm -hmm. when you when you read the comics of that era, I mean, Shazam was even retaining like that look, as you mentioned. He still has those like kidney bean eyes, and it, going through this showcase, it. Uh, it almost feels like um, Tintin, yeah, and and it's and it's like mentality yeah. and some stuff. So yeah, and then you know as it as the as the series progressed, um, the show, the '70s show, mm -hmm. actually kind of bolstered the sales of the comics, right. and so there was an effort towards the middle of this run, you know, mm -hmm. around issue 30 or so, to try to get them to be a little bit more similar. Uh. So Shazam in the comics goes a little bit more towards the uh, the one we see in the show where he's riding around in an RV with an old fella, like, solving right. <laughs> problems and yeah. things. And it did just become a little like, well, that doesn't really gel. So, mm -hmm. like, I absolutely know what he means. Right. And just, you know, it's nice to have firsthand uh, confirmation that Stan Lee was a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And even true. yeah, even just sort of like tossing out a fun yeah. little story about Len Wein who yeah. created Wolverine, yeah. Swamp Thing. You know, yep. I mean, he's just so anyway. Yep. 
anyway, thanks thanks again, Elliot, for for doing that. Uh, the podcast is uh, Elliot makes things up, and you yeah. can you can find that as he said online and uh, on his website as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that run. I think that would probably be uh, that seventies run is probably like my favorite Shazam. Mm-hmm. I don't know if now if somebody who'd seen the movie or was just curious about the character would. Uh, mm-hmm. Necessarily like that because I think yeah. it's kind of a sentimental thing for if me. If you've but. seen the movie uh, and you're looking for a comic that is just like the movie, yeah. you can read Jeff Johns' uh, Shazam, yeah. which is what six issues. Yeah, it's New Fifty Two. It's a one and done thing. It, it's I mean, it, it the movie is basically like somebody picked beat this for up, beat, yeah. pretty much. But also yeah. they accidentally cast The Rock as Black Adam a little right. too soon, right. and then had to write him out of this script. Yeah. So. Well, it's excellent. I mean, I really like that Jeff Johns collection. Right. So yeah, I think if you just have sort of a like, oh, I want, I'm interested, mm-hmm. that would be the one to go right. to. Um, I was not a huge fan of the Jeff Smith one, author of Bone and other things. Yeah, the Shazam and the Monster Society of yeah. Evil. Did you? Did you? Like I read one? this. This was back when I was working like three jobs, and like I'd get like a lunch break where I'd hang out at the library, and they had uh, the Monsters of Society of Evil. Um, and so I think I just read this in my car, but I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it scratched a lot, of, uh, a lot of itches I had at the time for just like fun superhero, yeah. uh, non-continuity heavy stuff. This is just this. This is a little longer run, maybe ten issues, maybe twelve. But uh, if you've read Bone, Jeff Smith's style is is in there. It it has a very cartoony feel to it. Um, uh, kind of a classic take, uh, a modern take on. Uh, classic era so yeah i liked it but you know there's there's a couple I gave four stars i don't remember too much about it <laughs> jerry ordway did one that was like a hand-painted uh Shaz- power of shazam which started mm-hmm. as just a graphic novel and then was right. a, a long-running series i was sort of okay with that one the uh-huh. i guess the atypical one that i like is shazam the new beginning which is from 1987 author on that's roy thomas mm-hmm. and that uh i think that's only four issues just a oh, four-part okay. uh kind of reboot Sure. telling of it I, I think that one's pretty strong it is in a, a 30th anniversary collection Ooh. Uh, that uh, uh, collects a couple others from that time mm-hmm. so uh, my sentimental favorite is always going to be the uh, 70s shazam and even the old 50s and 40s stuff is is all uh public domain so right. you can find all that stuff and download it um i i so i did with mary Marvel. i downloaded the whole first volume and right. just put it on my e-reader but uh, let's talk for a minute about the power of hope with paul dini because that's one we both read recently uh yeah it's a big big uh geez i mean it's still like an art book sized yeah uh, and i book. would say emphasis on art yes yeah like, anytime you have alex ross it's probably emphasis on yeah art, so. yeah it's almost it's almost more like a picture book than a graphic novel yes it feels uh know. yeah it does uh sh- billy is spending time at a children's hospital right uh just interacting with kids that are like his age because mm-hmm. he's a kid so he can uh he can do things other superheroes can't uh, so he's he's meeting the kids. He's turning into Shazam, Captain Marvel, to hang out with the kids and visit right. them. Uh, one kid is has bruises on his arm from his dad, so he goes to talk to the the dad yeah, as both I, Billy and then Shazam. Yeah. Uh, but also he's uh, realizing that some of the kids are very sick, and you yeah. can't help everybody when you're. Even if you're Captain I Marvel. guess yeah. I think maybe I said dark. I think what I mean more is that it's heavy. Yeah, it's, heavy know, it's a much yeah. heavier story. Yeah. Uh, but that is in our system, so you you can definitely yeah. grab that if you want that. Um, uh, you know, on screen, he's. Uh, I think there's some really good episodes of Batman: Brave and the Bold. Uh-huh. Use the character well. Uh, he's not great in Justice League Unlimited. See, I liked say? him in Justice League Unlimited. I liked him. I just don't like that that episode. It's kind that episode. This is during a, a like the second season of Justice League Unlimited where. The Justice League is being questioned a lot. Uh, maybe they're making some decisions they're not going to be proud of. Cadmus is kind of controlling the show, and they get Captain Marvel to uh, have a fight with Superman. Uh, I liked that episode. Yeah. Uh, and the Justice League do learn some heavy lessons at the end of they the do. season. Uh, it's a great season. It's um, But Jerry O'Connell, I think, is Shazam yeah. in there. And he goes on to later play Superman in some of the DVDs. Um, he reprises Shazam yeah. in the short Superman Shazam Return of the Black Adam. Yeah. Which I think is really good. Uh, oh, yes, you, yes, yes. It's like 40 minutes long. Yeah. yeah. You met a Shazam recently because you met Sean Astin. I did. I who played him in, I think, in Young Justice. Uh, uh, yeah. In Justice League Action. Yep. Definitely Justice League Action. I'm not yep. sure about Young Justice. Though I will say Young Justice, as much as I don't love that show, mm-hmm. uh, does a really cool Shazam episode mm-hmm. where... The world is split between an alternate world with adults and one with kids. And Shazam is the only one who can go through. 
Right. You know, which is cool because he he's the only way they can communicate. So right. it's neat. The '70s show, you know, it's on DVD. It's on the <laughs> it's on the DC universe. Yeah. It is very. It's kind of like to Shazam as the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno Hulk was to Hulk. Hmm. You know, it uses the character, but in a very different way. Yeah. Not a great representation, I think, of the like the history of the character. Yeah. But or the history of man. True. <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, my son enjoys it. Right. Uh, it, it I've had a good time rewatching it with him. All right. Uh, we did all this because there's a Shazam movie that's in true. theaters. Yeah. Uh, and I have a soft spot for Shazam. But yes, that's true. Yes. yes. Um, Shazam starring Zachary Levi. Yeah. Levi? Levy. Yeah. And I guess after his name, you say Mark Strong? I guess. Is the yeah. next biggest I name? I think so, probably. Um, none of the kids are like the kid stars. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, we saw an advanced screening of this. Uh, yeah. We talked about this last week, two weeks in advance. Uh, and the car ride home was just kind of like, huh. Yeah. A lot of huh. That's the big takeaway. That's, yeah. I think, you know, some movies, uh, like Aquaman, for example, I uh-huh. liked. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, man, I really liked that. Well, and Shazam had kind of the opposite effect. The thing for with me. like Aquaman and Into Spider Verse and <laughs> even Venom in a way is that they have a very strong sense of, uh, what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Even if what you're, do- you don't like, even if you don't like what they're doing, they you know they knew what they were yeah. doing, and Shazam does not have that. Mm-mm. Shazam Mm-mm. has it's 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 almost like Shazam himself, where there's just these two different person. I, I guess it shouldn't be, but there's like this darker demony stuff that's going on that yeah. has like some pretty frightening images and yeah. made me like Ugh, I yeah. don't like this. Yeah, and then it's a heartwarming family tale. Yeah. with big elements. There's yeah, there's a scene we won't get into it, but there is a scene. Where the violence is just... It felt like a, a certain scene from Dogma. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not like it's not like you've seen graphic violence, but yeah. it's still pretty yeah. upsetting. Like, yeah. I certainly... It's it's not it's not a scene they would have put in the trailer that they were using to make you feel like this was like a fun family no, comedy. No. So... And I don't know. I mean, I think your mileage will, will vary based on yeah. how much you like Zachary Levy's shtick. Yeah. I don't really happen to. Yeah. But I think if... Um, one of the big problems with his portrayal for me was that some of the stuff I thought he did really well on, mm-hmm. a really nice job on some of it. He and the kid who played Billy Batson are nothing alike. No, they don't, yeah. It, I mean... Which is funny because... Oh, I guess never mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the thing with that is, I think in some stories, Captain Marvel is just presented as Billy becomes a different person. And yeah. And sometimes it's that Billy's personality carries over. But in the movie, is the personality is supposed to be carrying over. Yeah, it because is. Because Billy's talking... As, as Billy, as yeah. Zachary Levi, but they're two completely different characters. I would yeah. believe fully that neither Zachary Levi nor, nor the, the actor who met. played Billy yeah. saw each other's performance, yeah. have seen each other in any other things. Yeah. They were nothing alike. Yeah, so it's very jarring. Yeah. So you mix that with the uh, like the really goofiness of Zach Levi's portrayal mm-hmm. with like the weird violence of the Savannah stuff. Yeah, and, like, and it's just you walk away thinking like, what was that? Yeah. So I was pretty unimpressed by it. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would have been that hard to pick a tone and go with it. I no. think it's pretty obvious that the deep, dark, violent stuff of the does demons, not yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, so that would have been a pretty easy fix. So yeah. I'm confused as to how nobody knew that. Yeah. I so. don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's. Too, I think a lot of people will leave liking this one, uh, but yeah, I didn't necessarily. And it was funny because yeah. you and I and our and uh. Like we were driving home, we were talking about that, and then I was talking to my sister who had also seen the advanced screening, yeah. and she had said this before. I said anything, she said the exact same thing. She's like, I couldn't tell which tone they're going for, yeah. so I'm like, maybe people, maybe everybody else will kind of. And they're see this. so far apart, the yeah. two tones. Yeah, it really is yeah. weird. It's supposed to be scary, but it's also supposed to be heartwarming. Yeah, but there's no like, there's no connections between the two. They're just two different. Yeah, movies. Yeah, um, same with with uh, Captain yeah. Marvel and Billy. The the superhero effects though are are pretty solid in yeah. terms of like he he's super fast and it just it it looks good. Yeah, it it does. looks like he's moving and flying at supersonic speeds and it doesn't it's not just like oh they just blurred him or something. Yeah. It, it, that all looks good. But there's there's not too many all the action scenes are played for comedy. They are. And so there's that, not yeah, really any I, standout like action scenes i agree and i was really kind of looking forward to seeing yeah because i you know i mean you know how i feel about the recent superman mm-hmm. portrayals i was kind of looking forward to seeing that type of character like in action right. in a good way and i didn't get that from this either yeah so yeah i don't 
you know, no. I, I mean, there's certainly been worse superhero yeah. movies. I don't think it's like yeah. to hate, but I, I think I am very puzzled by the yeah. choices that they made and I wouldn't rate the movie. High. I think an issue also for those of us that actually don't mind Zachary Levy, like not you. Yeah. Um, is that when you have an actor who's doing something that you like, but he can only be up there for at most like 50% of the screen yeah. time. It, it kind of, uh, it kind of has like a derailing effect when it's yeah. like he's gone now. It's like I d- I don't know. But I really think that if if he and Billy yeah. had shared any kind of similar, if you would have right, because you did not feel like you were watching right. the same character. So even That's if true. you're like yeah. now you're seeing Billy in this form and now yeah. you're seeing Billy in that form, but no, you don't have that. So yeah, yeah I agree with you. Yeah, um, it's kind of the same problem the Hulk had until I guess Mark Ruffalo yeah. stepped in. Yeah, that you're like oh I I don't mind mu- watching Mark Ruffalo. I like watching Ed Norton, but yeah, he was, I, under- I understand. I, guess. I understand what yeah. you're saying. So is this the yeah. Hulk episode now? I, I wanted to love it. I really yeah. did. And yeah. I went in hoping to, and I did not yeah. leave with that. Sorry, man. So, all right. So what's your one, what's your one thing? If you're going to recommend a Shazam thing to somebody, what's it going to be? Shazam. Uh-huh. Sorry. Cause, Cause right. it's the one word. Yeah. Uh, oh geez. The one thing yeah. that I've read or seen. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Kingdom come because it's a good, it's a good DC thing, but I guess if it's a Shazam thing, I might just say watch Public Enemy, uh, Superman, Batman, Superman, Public Enemies. Okay, he's he's in there very quickly, and if you end up liking or not liking the character in that short appearance, that would probably tell you how far your mileage could take. Or the Justice League Unlimited episode, okay. I think. Yeah, I would say um, watch the Superman Shazam short. Mm-hmm. Uh, that oh yeah, that's is, pretty that good. About yeah. forty minutes long. I think that's a really good intro to the character. Good yeah. use of Superman. Good also use Jerry of Shazam. O'Connell. Also Jerry yeah. O'Connell. Yep. And I think if you've got any kind of taste for like Silver Age comics, then I think Shazam showcases a lot of yeah. fun. Otherwise, I would say go Jeff Johns. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would probably be it, really. Yep. But again, if you, I'd actually say don't read the Jeff Johns comic if you're going into the movie because agreed. Yeah. Uh, it's too close. You'd be more surprised, yeah. I think. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's almost beat for beat. Yeah. The same is. story. Yeah. If you haven't read it by now, wait till you see the movie. Yeah. I think. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Well, I think that's hey, I hey. think that's gonna oh, do it. This gonna do it. Uh, uh, we uh, missed it. We missed, we missed it. it. <laughs> well, I wanna once again thank our guest, Elliot S. Magan. You could find Elliot and his work on Elliot.magan.com. Mm-hmm. You can find his podcast, Elliot Makes Stuff, anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah. Uh, we were uh, had a good time chatting with him. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week when we talk about the Edgars. Mm-hmm.